Hi, this is Dr. Ali Sharma with a trigger warning for everyone. You may hear us speaking about life experience in this podcast that have meaning for you, that may be difficult to hear, or that may affect your loved ones. As always, we encourage you to seek help from a licensed mental health professional or other healthcare provider with any questions you may have about what you're going through. Everything in this podcast is for informational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please don't delay seeking help because of something you hear on Model Mentality. Hi, I'm Dr. Ali Sharma. And I'm Bridget Malcolm. And this is Model Mentality, a podcast where we are opening up the dialogue on mental health, one conversation at a time. All right, I'm Dr. Ali Sharma, co-host of Model Mentality, here with my co-host, Bridget Malcolm. So Bridget, I had a couple of questions I want to ask you about it because I've noticed a trend outside of you and I talking about it. So I thought it's good to bring it out here. You know, the first thing is I know recently I observed that you've been doing more videos on TikTok. I saw them on Instagram, opening up a little bit more about your work in the fashion industry, what you've experienced, trauma, bullying, and many other things related to mental health. So can you just tell us a little bit about what motivated you to do this and what you have been doing on TikTok? Honestly, I feel like this year has kind of seen the culmination of many years of therapy and many years of being on medication and kind of being in a place where I'm starting to make peace with what I've been through. And a big part of that has been acknowledging that, you know, prior to the age of 18, let alone the age of 29, which I am now, like I had experienced a lot of really traumatic things and a lot of things that are really difficult to overcome. And I experienced them one after another after another. And I just kind of shoved it down and tried to get on with my life until they overtook me and I had a nervous breakdown and I kind of had to rebuild from that. And, you know, I the last two years, I would say, I've been in a really solid place. My recovery is good. My recovery is strong. I haven't had any relapses in any way. I and I'm referring to eating disorder, I'm referring to damaging behaviors, I'm referring to damaging thought patterns. And I've been in just, I've been feeling ready, I guess, to kind of start to tackle what I have experienced. And this, you know, this is what, what motivates me is justice. I, I feel like I feel very strongly right and wrong and fair and unfair. And I've just found myself in a place where I needed to actually start making some changes. And there's been a few things that have been private that I will not share with the public that I've been doing to address some of the more childhood trauma. But, you know, on the public end, I was in a very high profile job. I went through some very real traumas there and I felt as though I had no right to fe be feeling bad about it and I had to just push it down. So I, I really felt like I didn't have a right to be traumatized because I am an incredibly privileged person. And you know, I, I fully acknowledge that. I fully acknowledge that I've been incredibly lucky in so many ways. But it doesn't change the fact that I still have PTSD and I still have had experiences that get the better of me. Like there are some situations that I just, I know I can't be in without having a panic attack. I'm just going to interject for a second because I know you said that you acknowledge that you've had a lot of privilege um, and that sometimes that feeling might make you feel that you can't experience certain mental health things. And, you know, I have heard that before. I shouldn't feel this way because I've had a good upbringing. I had this, I had that. Well, mental health is not class dependent or dependent on 
who you are ethnically, racially, gender, you know, culturally, it happens across cultures, across classes. Now, social determinants of health and mental health will differ depending on who you are and where you live and your surroundings. But mental health stands alone. It is health. And everyone has health issues. Therefore, everyone has mental health issues. So I just wanted to throw that in there before proceeding. No, I love that preach. And I could not agree with you more. I, yeah, one of the things that I keep hearing from a lot of trolls on the internet is that I am privileged and so I should just keep my mouth shut. And that sort of attitude and that sort of feedback is really damaging because it stops a lot of people from getting the help that they need. It's it stopped me from realizing that I had a right to demanding that I be treated with respect, you know, and that's not a crazy thing to ask for in this world. It's not. And you know what, Bridget, you know, what has the process been like for you to open up? Because obviously we've been doing this with our podcast for some time, but the last three weeks I noticed an uptick in listenership or following for model mentality on Instagram. So I was wondering what that is attributable to. So it must be appealing to some because it is resonating with people. I mean, one of your videos you said on TikTok had 2.8 million, 2.8 million views and you've had a huge surge in followers. So, so let's talk about that. I mean, first, you know, what has it been like for you to do these videos on TikTok and any apprehension or any hesitation? Yeah. I mean, it was utterly terrifying when I realized that they were actually starting to get picked up. Um, and then a kind of, yeah, initially I was like, I'm just going to tell my stories. Like I'm just going to tell my stories of the modeling industry and, you know, come what may, I've been doing it for years, but I've been doing it quite, um, quite, I was about to say curtained, like quite clouded. Like I didn't ever get into specifics because I didn't want to point out individuals in the industry because I wanted to remain respectful. I was still working as a full-time model and I didn't really think that it was relevant to the story that I was trying to tell. However, now at 29 and I'm still modeling, but I'm also working in other fields now that are, you know, very fulfilling to me. I realized that it is incredibly relevant as to who these brands are, who these people are, because they're creating products, they're creating visual imagery and they're creating storylines that are being sold to the public as being, you know, an ideal, you know, one of the biggest ones that kind of kicked this all off was Victoria's Secret. When I was working with Victoria's Secret, I, you know, I sit naturally at about a 35 inch hip. I'm a tall, lanky, skinny person. I'm a size two and that's me eating whatever I want. Well, that was too big for Victoria's Secret. I was working with them. My hips were down to a 33 and then they dropped me from the show when I gained half an inch and I still hadn't had a period in years. I was still incredibly sick. And this is the kind of the legacy that they have. And when I saw that they are now moving towards an inclusive space where they're using you know, angel representatives who aren't wearing the lingerie. And I may have this incorrect, but I read this in the news. So I actually, I'm very well may have this incorrect, but they have spokespeople now who aren't modeling their lingerie. They're not going to be photographed in their lingerie, but they're going to be representatives of the brand. And they represent a diverse background of women, which I think is fantastic. But I don't understand how you can just put a bandaid on a shotgun wound and say that everything's fine now. Like, and not take any responsibility over the decades of damage that you have done on women. And, you know, as one of the models, as one of the faces, if you will, of the brand for a while, the damage on me was that strong. Like, imagine what it's like to countless people out there. And so I've, I've had, I'm sorry, going, I totally digress there, but going back to your um, initial 
what it was like, um, it was terrifying, but it was also freeing. Like it was exhilarating actually to just finally be like, you know what? Here's a story. This is messed up. This story has only lived in my brain and in my therapist's notepad probably over the last like four years, but now it's just out there and I don't have to carry it anymore. And, you know, in all of this, I, I sincerely hope that I've come across from the point of view of just, you know, tying it to a lesson and tying it to raising awareness around trauma and hopefully to more towards empowerment of women. Because, I mean, now there are so many situations that I've talked about and I think back to and I'm like, my God, I wish I had the confidence I had now because I would have just walked out of that room. But I didn't have it when I was younger. So... It's also it's also been difficult. I don't read comments. I don't read the news. I learned that a long time ago, actually. Um, but yeah, because I mean, I can't control how people react to me. All I can control is how I tell my story. And that's why I'm not doing any press. That's why I'm trying to just be really mindful about what I say, when I say it and how I say it. So yeah, and I mean, the reaction of my followers has been beautiful. I've had so many people reach out and say they went through similar things, which is heartbreaking. It's really difficult to hear that. But it's also nice to know that hopefully someone who has a bit of a public following like me, knowing that someone like me has kind of gone through something similar, helps to destigmatize the conversation around the issues and helps to hopefully feel people helps to encourage people to step into their own recovery because I know that I put it off for years until I literally couldn't anymore. Final question. I know you sort of alluded to this, but you have mentioned that, that there are some who this resonates with your message and then there's a backlash too. So what is that like for you? Yeah, look, I'm not going to lie. It's difficult, um, but it's difficult within different platforms. It's got a different energy within each platform. For example, Instagram, I I don't, I see every single comment anyone ever puts on any of my social media accounts. I am very mindful as to which ones I respond to and which ones I don't. And on Instagram, I'm much more inclined to just block someone who is clearly a troll. On TikTok, it's a lot more uncut and I have no issue getting in there and defending myself. And, you know, I've had a few conversations, quite a few conversations on TikTok actually, where people have come in being like, I don't understand why this and I explain and they go, oh, great. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to tell me that. And it's like actually feels not wholesome, but wholesome. It feels like people are actually listening and are keen to learn more instead of just painting me in one specific way. And, you know, I really I love TikTok for that reason. Like it feels a lot more inclusive. Um, but, you know, there is a special type of pain that comes from reading a Daily Mail article that has just been taken sound bites out of your story and created this sensational article and then reading the hundreds of comments of people being like eh, she's she just got ugly and Victoria's Secret don't want her anymore so now she's speaking up like oh she cashed that check I guess like it was working for her then and like you know all these stuff that is you know valid people are certainly entitled to their opinions however it feels as though I guess what hurts me the most is that it feels as though people aren't able to empathize with perhaps where I'm coming from and maybe this sounds a little self-absorbed but you know I I don't know what amount of money would make getting sexually assaulted repeatedly for years and years and I don't know having 
panic attacks constantly and having substance abuse issues, trying to cope and to be taking Xanax every day for six years. I don't know what amount of money would be worth that. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have an answer to that. I think it's a much bigger issue of how, you know, how the media is and how it's all about like a 24 hour news cycle and trying to just get as many headlines and clicks out as possible, headlines out and clicks on the articles as possible. Um, and also people who are just so disengaged from that sort of like life experience. I don't know. I will say I noticed mostly women (laughs) saying, I I get it. Thank you. And mostly men saying, booga booga. (laughs) So, well, Bridget, thank you for opening up and taking the time to be that brave, right. To withstand the backlash, which might be there, but also for those that are wanting and needing to hear your story and can connect with it and and make them feel that they're not alone so i think there's value in that despite what negativity may come forward so thank you yeah um thank you for saying that and yeah at the end of the day that was my only goal like it felt incredibly cathartic to just go oh stuff it like let's just do it and you know to finally just be for a very long time i felt a little bit anxious about saying publicly like yeah I took Xanax every day for six years it was gnarly you know I felt very nervous about what people would think of me but now it's out there and I'm like oh I did it because I was really struggling you know like it's nothing to be judgmental about I suppose I was still holding residual stigma around my own behaviors when it came to mental health um and I yeah I sincerely hope that whoever if anyone sees it and is struggling that they realize that they can get help and they can get through it. Because again, I want to reiterate this point, like I'm at the other side of it now, you know, I still have PTSD. I still have PMDD. I still have the conditions, but coming at this from the other end of it all, I have been through the trauma. I have gone through the therapy. I have kind of done the work and come out the other side. And at the end of the day, like there is always another side if you just keep going. And I hope that that is kind of what my TikToks leave people feeling that, you know, they're not alone and there is always an answer and there's always a solution, even if it seems kind of impossible in the moment. As always, if you are in crisis or you think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255 to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at a crisis center in your area at any time. If you are located outside of the United States, call your local emergency line immediately. What you have heard on Model Mentality does not represent what would take place during a psychiatric assessment or an actual therapy session. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Model Mentality. If you like today's content, please subscribe to Model Mentality or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. Model Mentality is brought to you by Mind Studios.